ones here. We've been working for the past four weeks through a series that we entitled Shape, Shaped by God, Shaped to Make a Difference. And we have said the same thing at the start of every service, that God never makes copies of anything. There are no two trees alike, no two animals alike, no two people alike. He has made you absolutely unique, and that's by design. We know strictly from a human perspective that that a copy is never worth as much as an original. And God has created you unique by design. There is nobody else in the world like you. There has never been one like you. There never will be one like you. You are designed as an original. I should say, if you've missed any of the messages leading up to today, they're all available on the church's website, mcbc.org, O-R-G. And I think it's uh, they make it remarkably easy to go in there and just find the sermon tab and click on there. And we would love to, to catch you up on this. I think this is an exciting and an important teaching in the life of our church. God has said that before you were born, he planned you. He thought you out. He had a purpose for your life. And he uniquely shaped and tailored you for the fulfilling of that purpose. He made you so that you could accomplish the things that he had designed you to accomplish in the world. And he doesn't want you to be anybody else. He wants you to be you. Listen to what the Bible says in the book of Job, in chapter 10. Verse 8 has this beautiful pictorial description that says, God's hand shaped me. He molded me. He made me. God plans you for a purpose. He made you to be you. And so we developed this little acrostic. The word shape, where each letter represents one of the five facets of what makes you, you. The S stands for spiritual gifts. And we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. When you began your life in Christ, there were certain abilities that God placed in you. You may not have been born with them, but when you were reborn, these things were given and they they come to life in you. The H is for heart. God has given you each a unique heartbeat in the same way that you have a unique fingerprint and a unique uh, retinal scan, a unique voice print. Your heartbeat biologically is unique to you. It's also true emotionally. These are the things that you are passionate about. These are the things that spark your interest. These are the activities that give you drive and motivation. It's your heart. Abilities is what we're going to be talking about today. What is it that you're just naturally good at? I mean, from the time everybody could remember it about you, you had that ability. You're just, you're good at this. Next week, we'll look at personality, that whole cluster of characteristics that, that make you, you. And then two weeks from now, we conclude by looking at experiences, the good and the bad, positive and negative. Nothing gets wasted in our lives, and God uses all of them to shape you for his purposes. This morning, we're going to talk about abilities. And I want to give you two real important verses of scripture. If you're a note taker, maybe you want to write down these references. The first is from the book of Romans. Romans 12, verse 6. God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well. There are no no talent people. 
And I know a lot of people sort of pushed back against that and said, you know what, I just kind of float my way through life. I'm passable at many things. I'm not particularly great at anything. The problem is most of us know what we're not good at more than we know what we are good at. But there are no, no talent people. If I were to challenge you and say, write down 50 things that you know you're not good at, you could probably do that really quickly. But write down 50 things that you know you're good at. These are your abilities, your talents, and we'd struggle. And yet we know the average human being has between 500 and 800 areas of ability or giftedness. Study after study has shown that to be too true. At least 500 abilities. Most of them, you don't even know that you've got them because they're natural to you. And because they come naturally to you, they think that's just normal. They ought to come naturally to everybody, but they don't. We're astounded by you that it's that easy for you. It's impossible for me. I just can't believe that you think that's not an ability because absolutely it looks superhuman to me. We don't think of them as abilities in that sense. And part of our job as the church, as the family of God, is to help each other discover the abilities and talents that we have. Some of them, you don't even know that you have them. And then having discovered them, we talk about how we can put them to use for the glory of God and for the good of the world. So there's no no-talent people. That's, that's the first thing we want to say. Everyone has abilities, hundreds and hundreds of them. But not just do you have abilities, you have different abilities than the person who's sitting next to you. That's your shape. And we're all shaped differently. You've noticed that physically, right? I mean, some of you are towering. You're, you're basketball players. You could hang off the rim, right? Some of you are shaped more like, I don't know, racehorse jockeys, right? <laughs> Some of us are obviously bodybuilders, right? <laughs> and some, like Pastor Nathan, are ballerinas in their shape. <laughs> but in the same way that our bodies have these different forms and shapes to them, our, our abilities are one of the ways that God maps out and shapes us. And when I say map out, what we mean is that if you want to discover the trajectory of your life, God's design and purpose for your life, one of the best ways to do that is by studying your shape. What is it that I'm good at? What is it that God has gifted me to do? And God has equipped you with certain abilities in order to fulfill his purposes. Now notice it doesn't say that God will give you all the abilities that you want. I, I wish I could sing like Rochelle. I wish I could draw like Oz. I wish I could add a column of numbers like art. But, but, but God says, I will give you what you need to do what I've given you to do. They come prepackaged. And he doesn't want you to be that other person that you so long to be. He wants you to be you. In fact, he was so intentional about you being you that he only made one of you. And if you don't occupy the space that God gave you in the world, that space goes vacant. And too often we have everybody piling onto the same space, all wanting to be the same, instead of finding where God had placed them in the world and living out of the, 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 the baggage of gifts and abilities that he has packaged them with. And it says that when we do that, when we live out of the abilities that God has given, it gives God glory. It gives him pleasure. So here's the second verse I want you to write down. From Hebrews, in chapter 13, verse 21, it says, I will give you all that you need 
for the doing of my will. God says, I will give you all that you need for the doing of my will. God doesn't give you abilities to do something he's not asked you to do. Don't squander them. On the other hand, he doesn't ask you to do a bunch of things without giving you the abilities to accomplish those tasks. How do you decide what you want to do with your life? What courses will you take in school? What career should you uh, should you pursue? Uh, who should you marry? Look at your shape. What is it that God has shaped you to be and to do? And that points you in the right direction. In fact, you could go all the way through Scripture, and, and you could make a huge list of the kind of abilities, talents, that God has given to equip his people, always in various different combinations. Here's just, just a small list. It's easily at least ten times larger than this, but I'll read you a few. God says he's given some people athletic ability. That's in the Bible. So Beth, you can say you're following Scripture when you watch the Super Bowl this afternoon. You're celebrating one of God's gifts. We honor him through artistic ability, through architectural ability. God says that you can serve him with administering ability. There's baking and boat building and debating, designing, embalming, embroidering, engraving, embalming is one that you probably don't know you have because it's kind of hard to test out until you actually get there. But one of our very good family friends discovered some way along the way that he was just really good at this. And, And without making it too much of a funny point, it's actually an incredible gift that you give to a family at a time when their emotions are absolutely raw to find somebody who is just really good at putting a face on a person that is warm and familiar. So there's embalming, embroidering, engraving. God gives some people poetic abilities. There's farming and fishing and gardening. These, again, are all from the Bible. Leading, managing is an ability he gives to some people. Masonry, molding, musical abilities, all in the Bible. Tool-making, needlework, painting, planning, philosophizing. Video gaming, inventing car. <laughs> okay, just seeing if you're all awake. Inventing, carpentry, sailing, selling, soldering, soldiering, sailoring. Did I make that one up? Tailoring, teaching, tent making, writing, and on the list goes. All of the abilities, they all come from God, and all of them can be used by God. They each have a purpose on the planet. In fact, God says, I give you the abilities, and the abilities I give you will give you the direction for your life. My abilities match my call. We use language like that, the call of God in my life, and we think that's language that gets reserved or restricted to priests going to the priesthood or nuns in the convent, to, to, to pastors and missionaries. You all have a call in your life. First, you're called to salvation, and then you're called to service. You have a calling. You have a vocation, which really is the same word, just in a different language. You have a life mission, a life message, a life goal, a life purpose. That's your calling. How do you know what your calling is? Look at your shape. You're going to have that answer on the tip of your tongues in a couple more weeks. How do you know? Look at your shape, your gifts, your heart, abilities, personality, experiences. In other words, I'm able to do what God wants me to do with my life. And what is it that we do with them? 
I want to walk you through six ways that you use your abilities. And maybe if you haven't already, you want to reach for, for the little order of service that you were given on your way in and turn to the back page and you'll see them where, you'll see them there. Six ways that we use our abilities. Here's the first. Your abilities, whether it's embalming or embroidering, your abilities are used to honor God. Here's the scripture, 1 Corinthians 10. Whatever you do, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. It means any of the abilities that were in that list or any of the other ones that could be added to it, they all can be used for the glory of God. Whatever you do, do it for that purpose because they all can be important. Carpentry can be as important as teaching. Masonry, as important as preaching. Managing, as important as music. They're all important. There are no unimportant abilities. In fact, God says, I have spread them all out, and they're all important to me. It means that some of you will honor God best by repairing cars. Now, there's an ability that seems superhuman to me. I mean, they could tell me there's anything wrong with my car, and I'd pay it. Broken Johnson rod? Oh, okay. That sounds severe. You better fix that. You can honor God by balancing the books. You can honor God by helping people find their home or by helping them sell one. You can honor God by making music or making meals or managing your office a million different ways. Whatever you do, the Bible says, do it as if you're doing it for the Lord to honor him. You do it for his glory. So that's the first thing. Here's the second thing, though. Your abilities, first, they're meant to honor God, but your abilities are also meant to serve other people. My abilities are not just for my own benefit. They're for the benefit of others. Listen to to 1 Peter in chapter 4. Verse 10 says, and I quote, God has given you each some special abilities. Be sure to use them to make a ton of money. (laughs) You don't have that, right? It says in my notes, that's the reviled substandard perversion translation. But... (laughs) Let's read it again. God has given you each some special abilities. Be sure to use them to help each other. Underline that. To help each other. Passing on to other others God's many kinds of blessings. So with your abilities, you don't just serve God. You serve other people. And why is that important? Because nobody is good at everything. It means that you need me and I know that I need you means that you need the person sitting next to you, and they need you. Nobody has every talent. Some people seem to think they do. They're superstars, which means what they, they lack most is any sense of reality or, or their own ability. But we need each other. It's, it's why we use the language of a body or a family when we talk about the church. It's why we're so emphatic about the importance of, of things like small groups, where together we complement each other in our areas of need and neediness. You want to be successful in life. I mean, here's two principles. These, these are just well-known throughout the, the world of, of management, and they apply based on Scripture as well. But here they are. Build on your abilities. Build on your strengths. Build on them to such a place that your weaknesses become irrelevant. Successful people do this. They build on their strengths so their weaknesses become irrelevant. But here's the second principle. Team up with people who are good at what you're not good at. Team up with people who compliment you. In the body of Christ, you have an incredible team. By the way, that I think is one of the purposes of marriage. 
marriage were meant to complement each other, to compensate or complement each other's strengths, to compensate for each other's weaknesses. What happens when we don't compensate for each other's weaknesses? We criticize each other's weaknesses. And marriage comes off the rails. Let me tell you a truth that, uh, that wasn't real hard to learn, but it's really hard to honor. You married a sinner, but she married a bigger sinner. That's just you. That's, that's just us. And we compensate for each other's weaknesses. Let's take an example. Let's talk about bills and budgeting. Hands up, guys, if you're the ones who do the bills and the budgeting in the room. Hands up. Yeah? The rest of you are too afraid. Do I do the bills and the budgeting? Yeah. Hands up, wives, if you're the ones who do the bills and the budgeting in your home. You are. Which, she's the best. Teresita with the ability in that area. Let me ask you, what's the right answer to that? The one who has the ability. The Bible actually doesn't say it has to be one or the other. The one who has the ability, you compensate for each other's weaknesses. This also works for maximum effectiveness in the area of business. And here's the key. Staff by shape. Find out what people's shape is and then put them in positions where they're likely to succeed because they dovetail with their abilities and their interests and their passions. And when you do that, you don't have to overmanage people. You don't have to supervise them as much. You don't have to continually motivate them because they're doing what they love and they're good at it. So God says, I expect you to use your abilities first to honor me, second to serve others. Here's the third thing. My abilities are used to make a living. God says, I give you abilities, use them to make a living. I don't want you mooching off other people. I, I, I want you to be self-supporting. God says, if you can work, you should work. Now, listen, there's, there's people who can't work, and I don't want to be insensitive to that. I mean, areas of disability, seasons of illness, there are problems and circumstances. But if you can work, you should work. God says, I want you to use your abilities to help you make a living. Here's a reference for that. Deuteronomy 8. Verse 18 says, remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Use your abilities to make a living. And by the way, producing wealth in itself is an ability. There are people who are just really, really good at this. Natural business sense, great acumen, just naturally good at making money. That's an ability. Can you make money for the glory of God? Sure you can. Of course you can, right? If you're honoring him, if you're grateful to him, if you're tithing, if you're living ethically, if you're doing it for his glory, the church has always needed people with skills in this area in order to fund great work in the life of the kingdom and in the life of the world. And he gives that ability to some. Here's a fourth thing. My abilities are to be used as an example to others. God says, I want you to be a witness, a, a testimony, an example. Paul writes to young Timothy, 1 Timothy 4. He says, put your abilities to work. Throw yourself into your tasks so that other people will notice. They'll notice your improvement. They'll notice your progress. God wants people to notice you doing good work. 
He wants people to see the areas in which you're gifted, the abilities that you have. I want them to see you growing in those areas, moving from strength to strength, making progress, developing skills. He said, not only does that make you look good, it makes your heavenly father look good. Because God gave you those abilities. There's a sense in which the people of God ought to be known for being the best workers on the planet. Reliable, hardworking, with integrity, dependable, skilled I want you to be an example. Use your abilities well. Here's the fifth thing. My abilities are to be used so that I have money to share. Resources to share with people who, for whatever reason, cannot work. People who are trapped in a cycle of poverty. Maybe a crisis. Maybe a tragedy. Ephesians 4.28. Begin using your hands for honest work and then give generously to others who are in need. At some point... You decide enough is enough. I mean, how do you know when it's enough? Somebody once asked Howard Hughes that question, his famous answer, how much is enough? Just a little bit more. Wrong. Wrong answer, right? That's materialism. That's cancer. Materialism means you've never learned to live within your income. It's always just a little bit more. I mean, it's interesting how many people are just barely surviving on an income that they once dreamed of having. Your expenses just always seem to grow alongside your income. And God says, at some point you say, it's enough. It's enough. Do you stop working then? No, you keep working. But now you're working in order to generate resources to share. I want to read to you, and this is a, uh, not just a verse, but a, a paraphrase of a section from Deuteronomy 15. Listen to this, though. These are incredible, strong words. Deuteronomy 15 says, give freely and spontaneously. Don't have a stingy heart. The way you handle money matters. It triggers God's blessing in everything that you do, in all your works and ventures. There are always going to be poor and needy people among you. And so I command you, be generous. Open purse and open hands. Give to your neighbors when they're in trouble. I love that expression. There's a trigger in there that it triggers God's blessing. What is it that triggers it? Generosity. Generosity triggers the blessing of God. Why? Because God is generous. We know this. Everything that we have is a gift from God. And God says, I want you to be like me, like father, like son, like, like father, like daughter. You're never going to be like Jesus unless you learn generosity. So God says, I want you to learn to be generous. And when you're generous, it triggers the blessing of God in the world. The more generous you are, the more God blesses in you and through you. So he says, I've given you all these abilities to, to honor me, to serve others, to make a living, to be an example, to provide money to, to others who don't have it. Here's the last thing. My abilities are to be used to build up the church. To build up the church. What's the church? The body of Christ in the, in the language that Nathan read for us. The family of God. Ephesians 4, verse 12. Why is it that God gives us abilities to do certain things well? Is it that God's people will be equipped to do better work for him? Yes. Building up the church. The body of Christ. Building it up to a position of strength. And maturity.
as you review in your head the things that that you know you're good at, that doesn't need to be a prideful thing. That's just an honest thing. Have you ever stopped to think that God expects you to use those things to help your church family? I know some of you are doing that. I know for some it's felt like you can't can't quite find your place. And some of you are thinking, I just don't see how. I, I don't see how that thing that I'm good at, that, that I use in my work, would have anything to do with the church. You're wrong. Let me tell you why. I was going through a document this week. It's called Vital Signs. The city of Mississauga issues it just with a a series of stunning statistics every year. But here's the most recent statistics about the city of Mississauga. Sixth largest city in the country. 721,599 people from 72 different nations. 53% of them immigrated here from somewhere else, and 15% of them have come just in the past 10 years. So let me ask you, how many abilities do you think it's going to take to successfully engage a city like that? Thousands and thousands. There's no ability that you have that could not be used in some way for God's purposes through his church. You're a good negotiator. We need good negotiators. You're a gifted translator. Boy, we need translators, loads of them. You're a deal closer. We could use some deal closers around here. You know how to weave baskets. Weave a basket. We broke an offering plate a couple weeks ago. We, we could use a new basket. I mean, there is no talent you have that cannot be used in the life of the church. In fact, God has placed specifically in every church the talents that he knows that church will need to flourish and succeed. Have you ever thought about why you're here? I mean, of the millions of people in this country who could be here, why are you here? Why did God put you here? Among the answers that you might entertain, I want you to consider this one. You are here because there's something that God has put in you that this church needs. And of the six things that that we just talked about, the ways that we use our abilities to honor him, to serve others, to make a living, to be examples, to, to, to generate money to share with those who don't have enough, to help your church grow. What happens if you don't use your abilities in those ways? You lose. The world loses. The church loses. And Jesus uses some harsh words when he tells a story about exactly this situation. Matthew 20, he says, I want you to go and take the talent away from the one who didn't use it and give it instead to the one who has many. God can take back what he's given if it's not being used or not used properly. He'll take it back. Jesus said to those for whom much is given, much will be required. We just know this is true, right? We don't use a muscle and exercise. It begins to atrophy. You can lose muscle mass. If you don't use a talent through practice and and regular performance, you can lose that talent. If you don't use your mind, keep it active, your mind goes dull and you, you lose mental capacity. If you don't use what God has given you, You run the risk of losing it. 
Employers know this, right? If they can't keep the best of their talented people engaged, they'll go somewhere else. One of my talents is not timekeeping. Is it 10 after 12? Okay. Let's, uh, let's wind this up. Uh, I want to just say three things quickly about how you begin to, to give focus to this, how you use these things. Two minutes. Each. No, not each. Here's the first. You estimate them. Uh, this came from our scripture reading this morning, Romans 12. Have a sane estimate of your capabilities in the light of the faith that God has given you. Do an assessment. We've been talking about this for weeks. What am I good at? Do an audit of your abilities. Know your strengths. You probably already know your weaknesses. Estimate your capabilities by the light of the faith that God has given you. Parents, this is one of the key goals in parenting. Help your kids identify what they're good at. You're going to have enough people telling them their life what they're not good at. Help them find what they're good at. That's what it means to be a good manager. One of the traits of a good manager is the, the ability to recognize talent, to find ability. If you're a parent, if you're a manager, point that stuff out. Church, help each other out with this. So the first thing that you do is you estimate it. Second thing you want to do is dedicate it. Give it back to God. Say to God, you gave it to me in the first place. I dedicate it now back to you. Romans 12, offer yourself as a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to his service, pleasing to him. God, you gave it to me. I want to dedicate it now to those six purposes that we talked about. And probably should say it at some point, you know, all of the abilities, whatever they are, they can be used for the wrong purpose, for the wrong reason. You can be a brilliant organizer, and you can use that brilliant organizational ability to mount a rescue mission or to organize a robbery. <laughs> there are brilliant criminals out there. We know that, right? Especially the cyber criminals. They're brilliant. They're using God-given abilities. They're just using them for the wrong purposes, for selfish purposes. So sharpening your skills is an important thing. Don't use them for selfish reasons. Use them for the right reasons. One of the best examples, by the way, in the Bible of this, of, of, of a life that just goes down the tubes, is Samson. An incredibly gifted, talented man. Remember the long-haired dude? His life just plummeted into ruin, and he wasted it. Blew all of his abilities. Blew it because of a, a sexual obsession. But, I mean, it's a case study of a life gone wrong where talent gets misused. So you, you estimate them. You dedicate them. Here's the last thing. You, you cultivate them. It means practice. Improve, sharpen, develop, cultivate. Any ability that God has given you can be increased with use and practice. Here's the, here's the key verse there. Again, just a, a word picture from Ecclesiastes 10. If an axe is dull, its edge is unsharpened, more strength is needed. But skill will bring success. You want to be successful? It doesn't take just blunt force. It takes skill. How do you get skill? You practice. You need to sharpen your axe. Work smarter, not harder. Sharpening your abilities, your aptitudes, your skills, that's a spiritual responsibility not just an occupational one. It's one of the things I love about the church. The church is, should always be, a safe place to test this stuff out, to grow it, to increase it. How many, we talk about this in our car when I'm being abused with, with uh, pop stations on the radio, 
But we talk about how many of the great singers and artists got their start in the church because that's the place where they have the ability to practice and learn and develop and cultivate skill. They don't really abuse me. I just feel abused. <laughs> yeah. Let me cut to the bottom line here. God has made this enormous investment in you. First, he created you. Secondly, he shaped you. He sends Jesus to die for you. So he's made this huge investment. What kind of return is he getting on the investment? Because one day he's going to ask, what did you do with everything that I gave to you? Did you use your abilities to honor me, to serve others, to make a living, to be an example? Did you use them to build up the church, to generate money, to give it away for purposes that matter? What did you do with what was given to you? In Luke chapter 12, Jesus said this as the climax of a parable that he told. He said, when the master comes back and he finds his servant doing good work, that servant will be blessed. And I want us all to know that kind of blessing. Let's pray together. Maybe you just want to say this along with me. You say, God, I don't even know all the abilities that I've got, but I thank you for them. Help me to discover them more. Today, I dedicate them back to you. I want to use what you've given me. I want to use them for your purposes. I want to cultivate them. I want to be better at what I'm doing. I want to honor you by being the best me that I can be. God, I want to find opportunities to serve others. I want to be an example. I want to use what I have and share what I don't need with those who need it more. I want to help my church to grow, to reach out, to be effective in this city. I want to make sure that in the end, you get the honor. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.